0: Welcome to Jersey Justice, a civil law podcast that shares practical tips and stories about personal and workplace injuries. Join two of the brightest New Jersey injury attorneys, Gerald Clark and Mark Morris of Clark Law Firm, as they take you behind the scenes of justice and civil law. But first, a quick disclaimer. The information shared on this podcast is for general information purposes only. Nothing on this site should be taken as legal advice for any individual case or situation. This information is not intended to create and does not constitute an attorney-client relationship back to another episode of jersey justice today i'm here with mark and jerry and we're going to be talking about expert witnesses we're going to be talking about why they're important what role they play and what type of expert witnesses there are and i think you guys are going to find this episode very insightful whether you are just the general public or you are in law school or you're an attorney But there's a whole art and science to expert witnesses, and we're going to take you behind the scenes today. So I'm super excited to be here with Mark and with Jerry, and we're going to start the conversation off with Mark. Welcome back. And Mark, I'm going to ask you, you know, what's the role that expert witnesses play in an entry case in New Jersey? Give us a little bit of that background for the audience.
1: Sure. So thanks, Dimple. Thanks. uh, Thanks for having us again. Expert witnesses, I know we've talked about it quite a bit. It's such a wide, wide field. You know, when we say expert witnesses, there's, what, there's not one neat box that everyone fits into. I think we've talked about normally an expert witness is someone who has some type of specialized knowledge that will help a jury to better understand a case. If it's something simple, like, you know, you're not supposed to crash into the back of someone's car, you wouldn't necessarily need an expert witness to, to tell you that or to tell the jury that. But if it's something more complicated, like this machine should have had an an interlock device on it, so blades stop spinning, so workers don't get their hands cut off. I normally can't stand up there and just tell the jury how that process would work or how that machine would work. And the jury is not going to know, as a matter of course, how that machine would work. So a lot of times in a case like that, you would need an expert to come in, because it's a specialized type of knowledge. So in an example like that, that would be, we'd call that a liability expert. Normally it's a professional engineer, someone that's worked either with machines, you know, or in some capacity around uh, around component parts, different machinery, things like that. That's one small, small field of experts within that field. You could have someone that works with cars, someone that works with factory machines, someone that works with construction site. Saws, nail guns, whatever. There's a ton of subsets within that. So that would be something we would call a liability expert. And then if we were to go to another area of liability, there could be someone for talking about like if you fall on a sidewalk, if you slip on something saying either, hey, this should be the coefficient of friction. Sidewalk can only be raised up this much before it's a dangerous condition. All these kind of little nuanced things where where experts come into play. And it could be something small where it should seem obvious but there's times where where you definitely do need an expert and there's times where where you don't
0: yeah mark thanks so much for sharing that i think that's really fascinating because you know for for the general audience who are not attorneys who don't practice law like they don't know what's really involved behind the scenes of an injury case and there's so much involved if someone gets injured right they fall like the incident we had where the woman fell you know from the steps because there was deceptive markings and got injured like all of that information has to be evaluated by these expert experts right and they come in and they have the knowledge and the background and the training to actually assess you know what happened what may have been the cause of a particular accident and i think that's really important for our audience to understand that because you know if someone comes to clark law firm and they're injured and then they're like oh well it should be a simple case. Like none of these cases are simple. I mean, they're very complicated, you know, and there's a lot of things involved behind the scenes that have to happen in order to, you know, get get through the case and get progress made. So I wanna go to Jerry, I wanna ask him, you know, similar like to piggyback off of what Mark shared, what are your thoughts on expert witnesses and especially about the particular one that Mark just spoke about?
2: So, yeah, thanks Dimple. I got some thoughts on experts. First of all, to bring a civil case in New Jersey, you know, you bring your case and then some point you have a trial and you go to trial. So the expert is needed basically for trial. And in New Jersey, before the trial, the expert has to write a report to kind of outline what the expert, what he or she's going to talk about in the case. So experts is like, it's kind of an interesting thing. First of all, there's different types of experts. And I mean, just kind of going back to the big picture of things so we do you know personal injury lawyers and plaintiff contingency lawyers we do these cases on contingency so the attorney doesn't get any fee unless there's a recovery in the case so there's like a lot of risk in these cases it takes a lot of time and it takes a lot of cost so the practicalities behind the scenes with this is if you get hurt or someone has a civil case or they've been wronged and they want to bring it you got to try to find a lawyer to take the case if you can find a lawyer, that's a good thing. That'll take your case on contingency so you don't have to pay out of pocket because most people can't afford to pay a lawyer out of pocket. And if you can get a good lawyer that is even that that is good in that area that you're looking for, that's even better. And the challenge often in getting a lawyer to take your case is the need for experts because experts are super expensive. So a lot of times when the insurance industry or say the pharmaceutical industry or big oil or large corporations want to limit people's ability to bring cases. A lot of ways they'll do it is they will lobby senators and congressmen and and the government to pass laws to make it harder to bring those cases. And one of the biggest ways they make it harder is by requiring vigorous experts and a lot of experts. And it's very expensive because then it financially disincentivizes people to bring those cases And one of the biggest things is like in medical malpractice, they have passed tort reform laws in the medical malpractice area that requires experts early on, experts to swear under oath that the case is meritorious. And then they create these hoops just to make it harder. So then they say the expert has to be in the exact field as the other expert. All these crazy things, which really just limit people's access to the court because they make it financially difficult to bring a case. That's kind of like a big picture part of it and something of a behind the scenes part of it. And then there's different types of experts. There's experts that will actually their business is just to be an expert. They're like a professional testifier. And they they say, well, we do forensic work, but mostly the forensic work they're doing is is testifying in court. So you can have experts that are engineers, you can have crash experts, you can have workplace injury experts, you can have law enforcement experts. And the thing is, and this is kind of interesting for anyone that's looking to get into the expert field, anyone with particular knowledge can be an expert in civil cases. My brother, he's run like a fitness sales business for years. And I remember an attorney I knew called called him up and said, hey, could you be an expert? It was a case where someone got hurt on a fitness equipment machine. So he doesn't have a PhD in fitness equipment, but he has a college education in health and fitness and he ran a, a retail store for years that sold fitness equipment. So that person qualified as an expert. And I remember I had another case that I was involved in where the expert was a mechanic. And it was a products liability case dealing with an auto part. And this expert did not have a college education, but he qualified as an expert in the case. So, those are some thoughts on experts. And I think that that could be helpful for people like if your attorney's listening to the podcast or just some people looking to think about a career and what areas they wanna get involved in. You know, whatever someone's specialty might be, if there's engineering, or science or math, or, you know, if someone's like a career lifeguard or something that has a lot of expertise in water safety, they could be an expert in like a pool drowning case, or they could be an expert in someone who's injured, kind of doing water sports or something like that. And so you can have professional experts that that's their business. They write reports, they testify in court, but then you have other experts where testifying in court is just a smaller part of what they do for for a living or what they do for a business. And it's funny, I remember when I was in high school, I read this book about World War II. It was a great book. It had great pictures and it was really insightful. And they talked a lot about spies. And one of the points the book made is that the most effective spies in World War II were the ones that actually believed. So there there was a famous Russian spy, forget his name, but he really believed, you know, he was really against Nazi Germany and really believed that. And he was a double agent spy. And those are sometimes the best spies because they're the most convincing. And it's like that I find with experts, too. If the expert doesn't really believe what the expert is saying, juries can just pick up on that. But if they believe in it, so we have this one expert that we use from time to time. His name is Vince Gallagher. And Vince Gallagher is a workplace safety expert. He's an OSHA expert. And I think we'll probably have him on the podcast at some point. He's a super, super interesting guy. And he is an advocate for workers' rights. He, he worked in El Salvador during the kind of communist revolution and the civil war in El Salvador, advocating on behalf of workers' rights. He goes to Haiti a couple of times a year and donates his time for the poor. And he really believes in these worker rights. And so when we have these cases and he ties in the exploitation of workers to violating the standards, it's, it's very convincing. And it's not convincing because he's like putting one over on the jury. It's convincing because he actually believes it. And those can be the most convincing experts.
1: Yeah. And the, the hired guns, I think that Jared kind of mentioned, He's right. Like those guys, they could write you a report, give you a thumbs up. But then when it really kind of comes down to it, and they're getting cross-examined, they might just give up all those points and just say, you know what? Hey, I got paid already, and they're not going to be as passionate as those guys like Jerry talked about, Vince Gallagher. So it's it's a mix. Sometimes it gets tricky because if it's a really nuanced area, you might need to go. They have you know kind of like databases of experts, but you're going to pay top dollar for that guy. And sometimes it could be someone from Texas that's going to have to fly into New Jersey. So it really is a balance figuring out on what cases you need experts and then who your expert's going to be. And Jerry gave the example of, you know, someone who's been a career lifeguard. They could be an expert in water safety. And uh, I think he talked about some of the cases he's had where he kind of had to roll his sleeves up and go track down a kind of of out-of-the-box expert. And I had one a few years ago where a woman's arm got burned at a banquet hall. And she, it was a christening or something. And there were self-serve stations set up. And in front of all the, the food trays where people had to reach over and, and get the food to serve, them, serve themselves, the banquet hall had put these candles.
2: Tea lights. There. Tea lights.
1: Tea lights. There, it shows how sophisticated I am. But they're tea light candles. And this woman's at a christening. So she's dressed nice. She's got this long, flowy blouse on. Seeing family members she hasn't seen in a long time. So she's talking to a cousin or something, and she reaches over to serve herself, and her blouse catches on one of these candles and goes up in flames, burned her arm. She got this nasty scar. I remember she was very holistic as well. I remember she put egg whites on it because that was supposed to help with the healing. And the pictures were very graphic in part because there was egg white on it. But so this is a long way of saying in that case, you know, when we talk about experts, what we're almost always talking about is that there's standards in some industry or some field, there's there's standards that need to get married to the facts of the case. And you have to say these are the standards, this is what should have been done, and then this is this is what the defendants in the case did. And that's almost always where the experts going to come into play. And so this case was kind of close because if it's something so obviously, you know, not smart, like don't put open flames in front of food stations where people will be serving themselves. You may not need an expert in that case. But here we wanted to be safe. It was a bad injury. And so we tracked down this guy. I think it was a friend of another expert we had used who was a chef. And he wasn't just like he worked in you know some kitchen. He was a chef at like a country club. And so he would be the person in charge of orchestrating, you know, banquets at the country club, you know, more, I guess, bigger events and things. And we got a report from him. To basically say, hey, look, this is what the standard is in you know, the service industry. Don't put open flames in front of serving stations. And we ended up resolving that case. I think it was the day of trial for, for a good amount of money for what the injury was. And that guy, I don't think he'd ever testified before. And in New Jersey, too, there's a, a court rule that you can kind of help your expert. You can work with your expert. It can be a collaborative process. So, and Jerry, I don't know if you want me to go down that road. I mean, the law kind of is what it is. If you get a report and you feel like he missed something, you can say, hey, exactly. That's
2: <laughs> yes. Yeah, so those are the things. And so just in case uh anyone thinks Mark and I are just actors and we don't actually work together, I remember this case. Uh it was Solaronzano was the name of the case. And it was the wackiest thing. So you you had I mean, I guess the candles look nice, but as people reach over to get their glass, now, now I'm going through some some injury pictures here. But as people are like reaching over to get their glass, to get their food, they have to reach over. It's like yeah,
0: definitely a hazard. I mean, if you have long hair, even I can imagine someone's hair catching on fire, like you lean over, your hair goes, you know, Towards the candle, catches on fire. I just don't know why they didn't think that part through, but I guess that's why we need attorneys because a lot of times people don't think things like that through.
1: Yeah, Jerry, if you get into more of them, it was, and they, on the website, the, the banquet hall, like promoted, we were like obsessed with fire. We found picture after picture of like <laughs> flames everywhere. It was really, really bizarre. There's one picture, maybe I could share. Maybe I'll share my screen. There's one picture. There's like a little kid that's
2: like leaning up on the tablecloth with the candle right in front of him. I'm rushing to share though. And just, just so anyone thinks, Oh, this is your slip and fall. This is I mean, this woman suffered really bad burns. Like that's a, I think it was a sec. That's a third degree burn right there. Um, Blister. Because because what happened? Her, uh, the dress arm caught the candle, right?
1: Yeah. It was like, I don't know, say polyester or, some type of material that was extremely flammable and it was flowy and everything. And she's talking to her friend and she reaches over and it it went up in flames and it was just totally, totally inappropriate. Like there's old people, there's kids there, you know, the little kids got to reach over these candles. And it wasn't like the, you know, the little blue flames you put underneath to keep the thing warm. It was decoration. They were like, Oh, this will look nice to have all these candles in front of these serving stations. And it just, it was Yeah, (laughs) she and Jerry, in that picture, too, she pulled up, she had a tattoo on her arm. And it's always there's different ways you got to look at cases and like things you I don't know, as lawyers, we got to think about like, so as a defense attorney, they're like, oh, who cares that she burned her arm? She's already gone and defiled her skin and gotten a tattoo. And for, you know, in speaking with her, she's like, this tattoo has a lot of symbolism. There's a lot of meaning when I got this. I was so proud of it. Now I'm ashamed when people look at my arm because all they see is this burn. So it's kind of putting a spin on where... do we
2: have a video of the incident? Yeah.
1: Yep, there's a video I'm trying to see too. I think I, I had pulled out... Yeah, it was, a, it was a christening, a kid's christening. So there's very young children running around all these open
0: flames. You would think they'd get the fake tea lights, you know, that look like real candles, but they're not. That would have sufficed.
2: So as these people are serving themselves bottom right you can right see in the, yeah in the bottom right you can see there's a candle it's the it's just the craziest thing how far into this video is it mark
1: i don't think it's too long i mean it happens right i think we had spliced it down i think it's happening no
2: oh, i could see i could see her her i could see it hanging over into the candle look at that yeah. see that
1: and it's like cat, it's cat
2: the, oh my gosh See her arm? She doesn't even know it's on. Look at this. Holy crash.
1: She got to rip her shirt off in front of her her
2: family. (laughs) That was crazy. Yeah. So – so that's a perfect example like like we're saying like what's the expert? Oh, we're we're going to have a wedding expert or we're going to have a food No, we got a guy w- that was in the food service industry. He was a chef or something Mark.
1: Yeah, he was a chef at a higher-end place that I think it was a golf club or a country club. So he hosted events like this and he was able to speak to, you know, this is the custom in the industry, not to do that. Yeah,
2: so, yeah, so the way this works, Dimple is you'll you'll have a case like that and that doesn't require an expert in my view because it was just – it's common knowledge that you, it's like negligence. It's like it was kind of dumb to do that. You shouldn't put candles where people are reaching all over the place. And like you said, just get the fake candles with the thing. But what happens in these cases is the insurance company hires the defense lawyers and the defense lawyers will come up with whatever arguments they can to have the insurance company not pay. So you hear a lot in the news like, oh, the McDonald's person was burned with the coffee and frivolous lawsuits. We've seen way more frivolous defenses than we have frivolous lawsuits in my experience anyway. And so what we do is we have to like dot all our I's, cross our T's and be triple sure. So we get an expert in the case anyway. And the defense wants you to have to get an expert because it ramps up the cost of the case and makes it harder. So they create these false hoops. So we got an expert anyway, but the reality is, do you really need an expert to say that you didn't, but to be double sure we got one anyway. So that's, that's the kind of thing that happens.
1: Yeah. That was a big time belts and suspenders uh, approach, getting an expert for that one, but it, you know, we didn't have to fly to someone in from Texas for, you know, 10, 15 grand, whatever the heck it would be. This was someone that, you know, I think looked at the case and, we talked about before, kind of really believed in it, could give us what we needed. And I think in that case, it would have been effective had it gone to a jury, because the defense there would have been, oh, it looked nice. You know, we thought that's what they would have wanted. It was a christening. We wanted it to be a, you know, a good setting. And this is how we've always done it. And she should have looked where she was reaching and it's her fault and she should get nothing. So if that's the kind of back and forth that's going on, In a case like that, it could have been helpful or it may have been helpful to have someone get up there and say, hi, you know, expert blank. The defense in this case is saying that these candles look nice and that they always put them out. And that's just how it's done in the industry. Is that true? No, this is absolutely not how it's done. We have those little fake candles that you mentioned, Dimple. And the reason we have them is you get the same aesthetic without risking members of the public, like small children and elderly people and people wearing flowy blouses, getting very, very injured when they're just trying to go to a family party.
2: Yeah. And the thing is, and, you know, I I don't want the podcast to be like an infomercial or anything like that for our law firm, but, you know, we generally will go the extra mile and kind of, put put the case in the best position to get a good recovery. I've actually heard there's attorneys, like there's a lot of attorneys that won't take a case if they have to get a lot of experts or sometimes they have to get any experts. And I've also heard that there's attorneys like in an auto accident case, they'll be at trial, they're about to go out to trial and they have to send a check to the expert, you know, 10 grand to come to court and testify, 15 grand, 7,500. And instead of writing that check, they'll actually convince the client to just dismiss the case. I've heard of that. I've heard of that from defense attorney friends of ours, that they just know who those lawyers are. And rather than risk the money and the time to try a case, they'll just convince the client to dismiss the case. So it's important to get the right, the right attorney that has relationships with experts and is not afraid to spend the time uh, and money that it takes to work with the experts to present the case right.
1: Yeah, big time. And Jerry, you said kind of going the extra mile like Jerry had a case where two workers got electrocuted working on power lines. And he went out and bought a book on <laughs> basically electrical engineering, a textbook, like a thousand page thing. And I'm pretty sure Reddit cover to cover, highlighted it, flagged it. And that ended up being a multi, multi million dollar case that resolved kind of the same thing, not to do an infomercial for us, or I wanted to make sure I gave Jerry his credit, but one of the bigger settlements I ever had, Involved someone stage diving. You but, know, but
2: Mark, I have to interrupt you. In case anyone thinks Mark's BSing, <laughs> yeah. here's the book here. It's the National Electrical Safety Code. Well, that's the, that's the handbook to it. And then the actual code itself is here. And then we have another recent uh, case involving that. So I got this textbook about the guidebook for linemen and cablemen, which is good. So a lot of times if you want to be like an effective lawyer working with experts, you should try to become an expert yourself and dive into it. So sorry, Mark, I interrupted you.
1: percent. No, that. that's, that's the point I'm, I'm kind of, I'm trying to make like, that was a huge, huge settlement. And again, not to be an infomercial, but not a lot of law firms, definitely not a lot of lawyers that would go that extra mile and get multiple, sorry, multiple textbooks on electrical engineering to settle the case. And my kind of, I guess, small, Parallel to that is I had a stage diving case where, you know, again, maybe you don't need an expert to say people shouldn't be diving off stages, but in a belts and suspenders approach, I found this guy from like way out of state. I just had done a ton of internet research and found someone who'd written a bunch of articles and actually ran a group that was designed towards putting on like safe events. And I bought his textbook and read that thing. It talks about, oh, do this during lightning storms, you know, have this many, all these different little nuanced things. And I learned that those standards, what I needed to know kind of through and through. And I didn't end up having to use the expert, but the case settled early on for, you know, a couple million dollars because I think in large part, we knew exactly what we're looking for and how to prosecute the
2: case. That's kind of the cool thing, too, about being a lawyer is like, you know, it's a lot of work and everything, but you're in you're in the world like you're you're involved in so many different things like that the case mark was talking about dealt with a guy who was at a hard a hard rock concert stage diving and someone stage dove and landed on the guy's head so you're out you're doing these interesting things it's not just the same drab thing every day you know the cases are different there's different stories there's different characters uh, and it's kind of cool and then it can get very sophisticated when you're working with like high-end engineer experts and phd doctors and and uh highly educated professors in different fields, and getting all different perspective on on life and science and engineering and the way things work and medicine, so that's kind of cool to work it with experts,
1: yeah, big time. Jerry and I tracked down a guy from upstate New York. he was like a college professor that I don't think had ever been an expert, but it was he was a we got him as a warnings expert in a case where and I'm not sure how much of it we can talk about, but there was a product that was being. Can we talk about this case, Jerry? Do you remember?
2: Yeah, I think you can talk about it without naming any names. Yeah. There was a
1: product that was being sold as comparable to the other products it was next to on the shelf.
2: It Um, was oil. It was motor oil.
1: Yeah, and it would have on it like a racing flag, lubricates and protects your engine. And it would be like a dollar or two cheaper than the oil right next to it, like the Pennzoil, the Valvoline, the regular oils. And on the front, it's got a racing flag, lubricates, protects your engine, the SAE 30, whatever it is. You flip it over on the back, and there's all the disclaimers, like harmful, swallowed, you know, don't let children play with this. And then in small font buried in there, it said not suitable for engines built after 1930. And this stuff was being sold in like, you know, 2015 through, I forget how long, but in like present day. And... The defense in that case is going to be, oh, well, we told them we warned the consumer. It's right on the back there. So we tracked down this guy. I think the the classification was ergonomics expert, where he dealt with the effectiveness of a warning. And I forget how we found him or or what. But like he was a college professor (laughs) at like a technical school that dealt with like product labels and things. I don't think he'd ever testified before. But he was moved by the case. He's like, what a scam and came on, wrote a great report and helped, you know, resolve the thing for, again, many, many millions of dollars for consumers.
0: All that's fascinating for the audience, because, I mean, this is really behind the scenes. We're taking you behind the scenes of what it's like, you know, to be an injury lawyer in New Jersey, because, you know, when you see things on TV shows, they don't show you half the stuff that happens. And and, I mean, behind the scenes, it's there's a lot of, you know, complicated things and information and fact finding and expert witnesses and interviews and things that have to be done. So, if you guys are enjoying the show, make sure you share it out with your audience and subscribe so that we can producing more amazing content for you. But I mean, that story just even, you know what we talked about so far, like some of these things are common sense, but People don't use common sense, which is why the woman at the banquet hall, you know, burnt, got burnt and her arm got caught on fire and all that. But that's the thing. But what I think is brilliant is actually, you know, Jerry's being a little bit geeky, but it's okay. He read the whole book on this electrical stuff. But that just shows you like the difference between a mediocre lawyer and a brilliant lawyer, because. You know, I always talk about like the term "brilliant lawyer" because there's a lot of lawyers, but that let's just be real—they're not all brilliant. But brilliance comes from really thinking outside of the box of what you're going to do and how you're going to tackle a particular case or problem and go above and beyond. So that that example is above and beyond because I don't know how many lawyers are sitting around reading whole textbooks, but you have proof—you had the books, you know. Thanks. Yeah,
1: that was brilliant, lawyer. <laughs>
0: All right. We talked about a couple of the different types of expert witnesses. Are there any other expert witnesses that you wanted to to tell us about? Or was there an actual case that you were going to pull up, Jerry, and talk about? Or was that the one?
2: Yeah. I mean, you know, experts, it's a funny thing. Because like I said, you want to get an expert that really believes in it. But at, at some point, like a trial becomes, it's like, it's kind of like war on paper, You know, it's not war, but it's, it's, it can be very contentious. It can be, it can be like almost a sporting event in a way. And you want to win, you know, your side wants to win. See, we, we don't, if we don't believe in the case, if we don't think it's a good case, if we don't think the person was truly wronged, we're not going to take the case. And so we, we believe in our cases and you want to win, you want to help the person. And at the end of the day, we're generally representing a person of limited means against a well-funded defendant, insurance company, corporation, and we want to win. So while you want to get experts that are well-qualified and believe in what they're saying, you need experts that are experienced because the defense lawyers are going to pull out a lot of tricks, they're going to try to put words in the mouth of the expert. They're going to try to twist what the expert says. They're going to try to, in some ways, they'll try to bully the expert into flipping the side and going with them. So you also need experienced experts that know how to testify that, know, and, and you need your expert to stay strong on his, his or her opinions that they put in their report. So that's kind of like another aspect to it. And in the next episode, I wanna show you guys a pretty cool story about dealing with experts and a defense expert, because a lot of times on the defense side, they're just gonna support the defendant no matter what. And you'll have these because they're being paid by the insurance company and that's their business and they keep getting all these cases from the insurance company. So no matter what, they're going to say stuff to hurt the plaintiff's case and to try to help the defendant's case. And it doesn't matter how strong the case is, a lot of those defense experts are still going to do that. And then they'll just say the most ridiculous, silly things. And sometimes juries actually believe it. So it's up to the plaintiff lawyers to expose that and expose them for what they are. And in the next episode, I'm going to show you guys a pretty cool story about that or a little vignette about that. If
1: you're looking at me for anything to add. Any final thoughts? Yeah. My, my only final thoughts are when Jerry says what we do is like, going to war i have there's two things i think about with that number one he's absolutely right like we literally have opponents called adversaries and then the first case i ever tried with jerry we were driving to court and yeah i had my pen i had my highlighter i had my legal pad he asked me if i had these little these little flags and i didn't have those with me and he said mark we're going to war these are your weapons you don't have your weapons with you when we're going to war. And so <laughs> I have here uh, the same thing, just to show that all this is real. I have an entire bag filled with office supplies that goes into my briefcase whenever I go to court to make sure I have all my weapons for show,
0: show us that bag one more time, you know. Let me
1: get, let me get the good one. I've one got more
0: time. Ones. It'll be interesting content for our short form stuff. Because we're really taking you guys behind the scenes so you can see what it is. Like, what's in that bag? Pull some of that stuff out, Mark, for a moment. Give us a demo really quick. And then, and Jerry's got his stuff, too. So the audience can see. Because in the bag, they can't tell what's in there.
1: All right. What we've got... We'll do an unboxing. Let's do an unboxing. We've got little Post-its. We've got multiple, multiple four-color Clark Law Firm pens. There are... Highlighters, rubber bands. I don't know if we're sponsored by these guys, so I'll say nutrition bars in case you get hungry when you're at trial. We've got cough drops for my coworker. (laughs) A flash drive. You guys are prepared. Flash drive just in case. And then these guys that, that I pulled out. So nice, is-
0: nice, Jerry. What does your stash look like
2: well i was I was saying that you can never have enough paper clips but but my bag is a lot like marks'. It's love it, it-
0: yeah, and if you forget that, you're in trouble. <laughs> it raises- you're have a tough time. yeah,
2: it raises That's questions when you
1: get on a flight and you pull this bag out of your backpack too uh, but you
0: got you should name it a lawyer or something. Okay, so I guess this one's a wrap, you guys.
2: Yeah. Good, thank you.
0: All right, see you guys next time. See it. And there you have it, folks. Another episode of Jersey Justice Podcast. If you're loving what you're hearing, it's time to hit that subscribe button on Apple, YouTube, and Spotify Podcasts. And don't forget to leave us a review online. Share this podcast with your friends and become their legal hero dive into more episodes at jerseyjusticepodcast.com or clarklawnj.com and check out our show notes for more information if you're navigating legal issues and need a guiding light we're just a phone call away call us at 1-877-841-8855 again 1-877-841-8855 until next time jersey justice warriors stay empowered and informed